Hey everybody, welcome back to Matt Goes to the Movies. Uh, as usual for Mondays with Mando, you are here with Matt and Rob, and we are going to be talking about the episode called The Believer, which Rob and I have some pretty interesting takes, I think, on this episode that we really haven't gotten into uh, with previous episodes. So I'm excited to, to go over this one. Rob, welcome back as always. This has become a, a reoccurring thing for us, so I'm excited to get into this new one. Uh, I'm very excited as well. And um, this is our penultimate episode of, of this season. And um, it's it's interesting. I think there's a lot there's a lot of stuff to talk about. There's a ton of Easter eggs to, to go over. Um, and I like you said, um, I got some strong feelings on this one. Yeah. So one thing that I want to point out, too, before we really get started and we'll mention this again at the end of this at the end of this episode um last week for mondays with mando harrison from the basement binge joined us which was a lot of fun we really appreciate that and next week uh harrison will join us again for the season finale so super excited about that and that episode uh will release a little bit later than normal um just like the last one because with our schedules for all three of us to get together, we'll be recording that Monday night. So usually these drop on Sunday and then that way you can listen to them Monday morning when, you know, we said you're, well, not going really to school anymore, but whatever it is you're doing throughout your day, cleaning the house or whatnot. Um, so we're looking forward to that, but back to this episode here, uh, we're going to get into our two minute warning. So that's, you know, listeners of the show, as you know, that's two minutes of spoiler free thoughts on this episode. And then we'll get into the spoiler section. So, Rob, uh, take it away with your two minute warning. So we get um, a character that comes back to us. Um, if obviously you kind of figure out that um, we get Bill Burr back in this episode um, based on what we saw at the tail end of, of the last week's uh episode um we had seen his character in the first season and it was kind of interesting what they did with him i liked sort of i liked his his backpack guns that are almost autonomous and, and kind of have a mind of their own i thought that was kind of a cool thing we hadn't seen yet in star wars and, and actually for somebody that i only really knew of as a stand-up comedian i sort of liked what he did with his character in season one and i liked him even more um in season two i think we saw more depth to him um i think we saw that bill burr could could be a legitimate Hollywood actor and not just a stand-up comic because this character was not a comedic, you know, th this was not the Jar Jar Binks. This was not C-3PO. This was not the comedic relief character. This was a, a fully fledged out person who has um, a, a more of a past to him and more subtext going on than what we saw um, in season one with him. Um, really enjoyed kind of the return of, of some of the other characters that we'd seen leading up to this point. Um, a major character we did not even see at all in this, in this week at all, um, which was, which was kind of a surprise. Um, there's some, there's some plot holes this week. Um, there are some things that happen that just don't make sense at all that on my initial watch through Friday night were, were kind of there and I saw them and I was aware of them. On my second watch through earlier today, they were just blatantly obvious and so many things just if you if you rewatch this episode a second time or if you you know, maybe you're getting excited for season three when it finally gets to us. I think it's on Christmas Day next year is how long we have to wait to get more Baby Yoda in our lives. Um, 
you know, if you decide you want to do a run through of season one and season two, there's some stuff that happened in this episode that you're just going to go, oh, God, that just that's that's bad. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's definitely some things to like about this episode. I think there is some, again, good character development in this episode and particularly from the returning character that Rob had mentioned in his portion. Uh, you really get the sense that he cares about what he's done in his past and some of those things don't sit right with him. And maybe he can't fully uh, make amends for them, but he's going to try and at least get a little piece back um, and try and do the right thing. I really like that aspect. Uh, I also was very surprised um, for me personally how not seeing a certain main character in this episode really did not bother me. Um, I found that a little surprising because usually I, you know, uh, we talk about them every single time, but I didn't think it was distracting from this episode. Uh, there was some pretty good focus, but also like Rob said, some almost inexcusable things that we're not used to, I think with, the Mandalorian and the quality of each episode that this show puts out. But that's going to be my two minute warning portion of this. And right now, if you've listened to these episodes, this is where we're going to tell you, uh, if you haven't watched this, pause the episode, go watch it because this is your last warning. We are getting into complete spoilers of this episode. And Rob, one thing um, I, I hate to sound like I'm bagging on this guy but i found it pretty funny and almost a little distracting to me um where did boba fett find his workbench to basically get brand new armor with a new paint scheme i, I was a little surprised <laughs> by that um you know they're, they're on this important mission to rescue um Okay, so Baby Yoda's 50, but he's he's functionally a child. Right. Um, they're on this super important mission. They're screaming across the galaxy, recruiting allies, finding intel, you know, doing doing research to, to create a strike plan to, to go on this rescue mission. And he's just in the uh, the paint shop with the with the sprayer, you know, just getting him right. on his armor. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, it's I don't know. It's odd, too. Yeah, and I, I don't know if it's something that I'm going to be distracted by, like, permanently, but there's something about seeing him in almost pristine, clean armor that didn't really work for me. Um, part of Boba Fett's iconic look is the wear and tear and the, you know, diluted color palette of his armor. So seeing him show up on screen was really kind of distracting. And like I said, I don't mean to, to rag on this guy because I know last episode we said, you know, it was a little distracting um, the camera angles that were used to shoot him. Uh, and then this week it was, you know, we're talking about his armor because there's a lot good about having him in this show. Um, and I think it does outweigh the things that we've talked about, but yeah, that was a, you know, that was kind of, right out of the gate like a hmm uh okay i i guess let's let's see what the the rest of the episode brings us because I, i'm not really digging that what they first showed us it's among my um less 
lesser criticisms of of the things that happened this week that I just go, I'm sorry, that just doesn't hold up to scrutiny. Um, it is another fairly short episode, though. We've had two or three so far, at least this season, that are between 35 and 40 minutes. And um, that's really all the longer this one was, um, which, you know, I kind of thought this would be a little bit longer. I sort of thought second to last episode of the season. There's a lot of things they've got to build up. We know that nothing really crazy was going to happen this week. At least I didn't think so. Um, they're going to save that for next week. Um, I will say that um, I'm not fully on board. I'm not fully on team Grogu yet um, as, as far as the name, but I am kind of coming around to it a little bit more. The more that I see it, the more I have to say it myself. Um, we didn't get him at all this week. Uh, as you said um, earlier, and I, I almost wonder if that's Disney daring us to keep watching it, even though they take away the main reason some people tune in every week. I, I, it's still an incredibly well-written show. I, I was cognizant of the fact that we didn't see him, but I don't think that it took away from my enjoyment of this. I think, if anything, there is some tension continuing to be built with the decisions that Din has to make this week. Um, you see him kind of starting to come around a little bit on his creed and the importance of it. You see him having to make decisions about, okay, he's been quested to return this creature to his kind is that more important than you know the leaving the helmet on thing which as we go further and further into this into this show it gets stranger and stranger to me that nobody's ever mentioned to him like hey mando you know that you're literally the only one of your kind i've ever met who doesn't take his helmet off because it seems like every other mandalorian ever we've ever seen in star wars has no problem doing it and nobody ever thought to mention it to him like it just continues to seem weird that he thought it was weird that other mandalorians removed their helmet like it like he's literally the only version of his denomination that he's ever known is or has been just people of his creed not not other belief systems it's it continues to seem weird and and there's a lot of time spent in this episode around that idea there's there's 10 minutes in the truck where bill burr is kind of egging him on about taking the helmet off um it it was as they're kind of talking about the plan and it seemed a little derivative to me that at some point okay hey it's gonna have to be din going in and at some point, he's going to have to take his helmet off. Like, we knew we were going to see Pedro's face in this episode. Mm -hmm. I knew it like 10 minutes in. It became obvious that he was going to have to make that choice. So to me, when he eventually did make that choice, it sort of lost a little bit because it was so obviously set up right from the get-go. Yeah. Um, you know, we did back in episode, I think it was four, uh, I brought up the point where he, in that episode, when he meets the uh, Bo-Katan um, and the other Mandalorians, it seemed like by the end of the episode, he maybe was starting to question everything that he believes about the Mandalorian code. And is he going to have to go against what he's pretty much known his entire life to successfully complete this mission because i think back then he started to realize that he might have to go against what he's known to make it out of this and successfully deliver grogu um and rob like you said you get that in this episode more um 
And it's less and less, I think, as we've seen, hesitation to go against his code. Um, regardless of whether or not other people will do it, he still has a very, you know, he still had a very strong connection to, you know, the phrase, this is the way. And it seems like those decisions, the more that he realizes Groku is in danger, that it's easier for him to make those. Uh, so I'm intrigued by that, but at the same time, some of it did feel pretty forced um, that we knew it was going to happen. So we don't need as much dialogue, I think, as we got based on, you know, that, uh, that character point from my point of view. Yeah. It, um, it, it really felt like when it did happen, like it was like, okay, we, we knew this was going to happen. It didn't, when he took his helmet off, and I want to say it was the second to last episode of the first season um, when the IG unit removes it, um, and we actually saw his face for the first time. Um, it, you know, it, that sort of had a, a weight to it, even though those of us who have seen Game of Thrones already know what Pedro Pascal looks like. Um, you know, I think it was still kind of a big moment in, in the first season. Uh, when he did it here, it just felt like, yeah, I kind of saw this coming. Um, it, you know, that that part, I just, it didn't really land for me. Um, you know, it really starts for me as far as the, the problems that I have with some of the, the plot of this episode and, and some of the, the logic really starts very early. So they're on Slave One and they're, they're trying to figure out how they can find Moff Gideon's ship. And it just really occurs to me, holy cow, does the Empire have a ton of top secret bases and research centers and plans and forces and platoons and, and just soldiers and equipment everywhere that are so top secret that literally a ton of people know about and are obviously you know disenfranchised with their former employer, so to speak, or their former government, so to speak. And the new Republic has come in and they don't feel the need to share this information. Like you're telling me that Bill Burr's character, Miggs Mayfeld is the only former Imperial stormtrooper who's not a little miffed and knows where all this stuff is and can share it like that to right. Me right out of the gate seemed weird. Did it, did you catch that? Did that feel weird to you? Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it definitely does. Cause you would think that somebody would be, especially if they're going and, you know, this Star Wars universe of jail time that someone wouldn't just spill the beans. Um, like, hey, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll take a plea deal here, please. Like, I'll, I'll give up one of these 52 secret bases that supposedly you'll never find. Um, but they're on every planet that you travel to. Um, yeah. Yeah. It just, it seemed weird. Now, again, it's, I hate to talk out of both sides of my mouth here because it was nice to see him back though, because I thought he did a really good job in this episode. But when you, you have to look at it objectively in terms of what story they're trying to tell. So yeah, it's a little unsettling to think that nobody else has done this or they couldn't have used anybody else. So yeah, it felt in terms of story, it feels forced to get this character back into the fold even though I really enjoyed him. Um, I have no problem with that character in this episode because I thought he was fantastic. And I thought his, you know, sort of revelation scene in the cafeteria was incredibly well done. And I thought he did a tremendous job uh, conveying the emotion of the weight, the magnitude and the weight of what happened um, 
you know, uh, uh, those years ago when he was with the Empire? Oh, I uh, absolutely. It was um, it was menacing. It was um, him thinking quickly on his feet and and talking his way out of a bad situation. And then when they sit down at the table, now there are parts of this scene that don't work for me in, in terms of how it's written, but as far as Mayfeld and, and his character and what he does and, and Bill Burr's um, interpretation and, and the way, what he does with the characterization um, was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. And, and then when he just makes the decision, like, you know what, dude, I've, I've taken exactly as much of this as I can. This is something that really you can tell resonates with, with Mayfeld. Um, I don't think he was even aware that he pulled the trigger on the blaster when he makes the decision to um, take out the Imperial officer. I'm not sure he actually fully consciously made that decision. I think that was a subconscious. It just happened. Mm -hmm. And in the moment he was like, okay, well, this obviously screwed our chances to get out of here. So now we're going to shoot our way out. Um, and, and was, was really a cool scene. So other problems I have with this, with some of the logic in this episode, why exactly do Mayfeld's credentials still work to get into any terminal in the empire? So, the Empire can assume he is one of several conditions. He's either AWOL, where he would be reported as away without leave, and clearly any ability he had to log into an Empire terminal or computer of some kind would, would be completely locked out. They would believe he was killed in action, potentially, um, um, during Operation Cinder. Mm -hmm. um, or he's at least discharged and no longer actively enlisted. And again, would not have working credentials to get them into that computer in the first place. Um, and even if he was, let's say they left it on, why exactly is, and, and yes, he, he was an Imperial sharpshooter. Maybe he was more than just a grunt on the ground. Why exactly do his credentials give him the ability to find Moff Gideon, who's clearly commanding a fairly large section of what's left of the empire clearly in some pretty dark black bag operations that would be hidden from literally everybody else in the empire because it's that secretive there is no reason for your average stormtrooper even a higher ranked stormtrooper to have access to find where moff gideon is to prevent exactly these kinds of things from happening you have to know there are people who have a grudge against the empire um and certainly Mayfeld has plenty of reason for it, but it just, it does none of that makes any sense why he would actually be able to do that, at least not the way they describe it. Right. And, you know, one of the other things, too, is obviously on that planet, there is a huge empire presence. Uh, it's not like they're hurting for people. Because you see when they make it to the facility, there's troopers and soldiers, just, you know, there, there's plenty of people there that are pro-Empire. Um, why did they have no protection for the transports? Um, you know, everybody's hooting and hollering because they're the only transport that made it for the day. Like, wow, you did such a good job. But then you see TIE fighters flying everywhere during one part of the episode why couldn't just a single one patrol to, to make sure that their shipments were protected? Um, I, I, again, that's to me, that was another thing that was just a huge oversight. If this, if this stuff is so important and you're using it to 
you know, drive people into fear to want the empire again, um, why would you not do everything you can to protect it? Um, I had a similar observation. If the, you know these transports, obviously this material is very volatile. Um, you, you know, I, I I completely agree with your assessment. This is not the first time that these things have been attacked. You know, they see the remnants of these along the side of the road. I, I can't imagine that this is the first day these pirates have ever shown up to attack a shipment of it. And they're driving literally the only Imperial vehicle in the entire galaxy without any kind of turret or gun or defense of any sort whatsoever. Like right. there's no shielding, there's no cannons, there's not even anybody other than a driver and a co-pilot and they're using sidearms at best that they're given. Um, it's, it just, it, it seems like it's set up just to give us a cool action scene, which by the way, parts of it, very cool. Yeah. Very cool action scene at parts. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And that's where I have to separate, you know, a, a real critique of this episode compared to the entertainment value of this episode for entertainment value. It's, it's just as good as anything else we've seen. Um, but this is one of those ones that you can really only truly enjoy when you just shut your brain off and just, you know, throw popcorn in your mouth and not think about it too much because it literally doesn't make any sense that there's no other protection for this of any sort. Yeah. I got to tell you one, one thing for me that, you know, like you said, the entertainment value, um, during this scene was I got a kick out of Mando fighting like he still had his Mandalorian armor on and using his arms to block, you know, attacks and then just being like, oh, crap, like that, like, damn, that actually hurts. Um, and then changing up how he's fighting these pirates because he realizes that this Imperial armor um, does not offer him the same kind of protection. So I got a kick out of that, that you could kind of tell he was like, oof, I got to change that. I got to switch this up a little bit. Otherwise I'm, I'm probably going to get hurt. You know, there's right before the um, action even starts, um, there's some interesting, there's some interesting conversations that happen in this episode outside of advancing us closer to what we think might be a showdown next week between our heroes and Moff Gideon. Um, you know, this conversation that they have while they're driving, certainly Mayfeld's kind of a, um, a loud mouth. He's a talker. He, you know, he can't just leave silence where Mando is just, you know, the epitome of, of the strong silent type. And they kind of get into a little bit, I don't want to say they, Mayfeld is the one driving this, just the, a, a little bit of a, a philosophical and even touching on some religious ideas in this episode, the whole concept of if you're born in one place, you believe one thing. Um, you know, he, he really gets into that, and it's very much yeah. what goes on in our world. If you're born in one country, you're more likely to believe a certain creed. If, you, if you're born to another country, you're very likely to grow up believing something else altogether. And largely, Star Wars avoids a lot of this stuff, um, and I think that's part of the reason it's so popular, because you can interpret it to be whatever you really want it to be without necessarily feeling like you're trying to be told to believe a certain thing a certain way. Obviously, you can make um, you can make parallels between um, you know fascism and, and Nazis and and what was happening in, in the '40s and, and Italy and Mussolini to to the empire, you know, and, and the way they go about things. And actually, I have a parallel I'll mention later. Um, so we have that in in the drive towards it. And Mando says, "Oh, we're nothing alike," which 
I God, I, I it's so cliche conversation. Yeah. You and I we're the same. No, we're nothing alike. Oh, we're not so different. You and I like if I had a nickel for every movie or show that issued that line or some version of the line, I wouldn't have to go to work tomorrow. And you and I could just do this all the time. Like, it'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, don't forget. I, don't forget, too, where he said they always have to preface with let's get one thing straight. That's it's always oh, right. the first line. Let's get one thing straight. You and I are nothing <laughs> alike. Nothing alike. Yeah, exactly. It's like so basically we're alike is what you're trying to say to me. It's it's like a double negative when they say that. Like yeah. It's just unbelievable. Um, later on though, when they're sitting down with the imperial officer, um they they have another opportunity to bring us um, something a little different than what we do, what we normally get from certainly Mandalorian and, and Star Wars in general, and that's the conversation around um, safety versus liberty. You know, the mm-hmm. idea that people will embrace the Empire and welcome us back with open arms because while they may not have freedom, we will bring them safety. We will give them structure. We will give them um, what we're looking for. Um, you really also later on get into truly the costs of war. Um, mm-hmm. You get into the collateral damage of war. You get into the innocent lives and you get into the people at home. So for all the stormtroopers that we see get blasted by the rebel alliance and, and everything else, you know, the, this is really the first time we've been challenged to think about the family uh, that stormtrooper had at home, you know, whatever planet or whatever system he or she may have been from. Um, it's the first time you really kind of humanize the empire a little bit um, that these are just people as well, kind of doing their job and they go home to their families and they think they're doing the right thing in their story. They're the heroes, right? And the rebel Alliance are the villain. Um, you know, it kind of reminded me as, as the, um, as the Imperial officer was uh, uh, Valen Hess was talking, it kind of, it sort of reminded me of what goes on in the Assassin's Creed games between the assassins who are all about personal freedom and liberty and and the Templars who are all about, you know, safety through control. Right. Um, it, it kind of it kind of felt like there was there was sort of, um, you know, a crossover there for me. Yeah. Um, and I'll save this, obviously, for the Easter egg portion. But, man, there's a. Uh, a huge it, it it is not subtle it is as i think slap you in the face as you can get a hint towards what we see later on in star wars during that that conversation where they're sharing the drink um talking about whether or not people would welcome back the empire and wanting safety and structure um i was like ooh, that's pretty foreshadowing um but we'll talk about that a little bit more. And I did like too when, like you said, um, you know, they're driving in the convoy and he says, um, I forgot the other planet, but he's like, you know, um, you're from here. Which and is Alderaan. Yeah. Yes, Alderaan. And he goes, you know what? Both of them are gone now. Um, which again, like in that whole setting, I thought was really powerful as, you know, you can hang on to something as long as you want, but. It, it still doesn't mean it's that, you know, it's not there. And I think, you know, he's trying to tell him, look, I, you need to kind of open up your view a little bit here because what you think, you know, is, is no longer here. Um, and that's kind of the same thing for me too. I just, you know, what I thought was the right way to think is not there anymore. So I have to figure out what I'm going to do now. Um, 
So I, I, I did like that. But one of the other things that I, I had a problem with in this episode, and this was the first, this is the first time that this has happened for me. This episode with the length and how, for the most part, nothing real. You know, yes, they find the location of uh, Moff Gideon, and you know, holy crap the scene at the end where he basically just says you know mandel threatens gideon like you're mine i'm coming to get you you know there's nothing you're gonna do to protect yourself because i want grogu you have him and what you just did is a huge mistake like you never should have took him because now you've sealed your fate um that was amazing and i'd like to get into that more but the way that this episode goes, it also makes me a little bit nervous for how much we're going to have to wait for season three to probably get some more answers for things that have happened in season two, because there still seems to be a lot that we need to know, um, you know, about Grogu, about the Dark Troopers, about what they're doing with his blood, you know, does it relate to um, cloning and tie, you know, tying into Snoke and maybe how Palpatine returned and things like that. But it, this is a lot to cram into the season finale um, episode. And how long is that going to be to potentially maybe get at least some closure on what's happened? Um this is the first episode that kind of had me a little bit nervous about what they're going to have to do in the last episode. We had talked at different points of this season that part of why this show works so well, and, and look, we're not the only ones that are having this conversation, that this show works very well because it doesn't have to base what it wants to do and the story it wants to tell on the larger Skywalker saga. They can be an independent, just these characters. Yeah, well, you get some Easter eggs and you get some drops here and there. However, now this season, it really feels like they're trying to weave this in. And and we had certainly talked about it a lot last week that I'm a little concerned that it's almost trying to do too much. It's I could, I could see where, as all of those things that you just mentioned – do you really feel like when we sit down to do this show next week, we that you and I will feel satisfied with the season finale because there's just so much? Right. Yeah. It's it's going to be interesting, and that's it's so weird to to actually say that right now because they've done so many things right. Um, but I do feel like you know we need at least some kind of closure for certain story threads that have started here, if they just really kind of end this on a, well, look, nothing's really been, nothing's been finalized in this season. Everything still pushes to season three. I don't think that would really work. Now, again, um, I could be a hundred percent wrong with that assessment and we get to the season finale and you and I are back here on the next episode with Harrison and we're just going, wow, I, I can't believe it. They tied it together. What were we talking about last week? Um, they, they, you know, they've done it again. Yeah. Um, that's always in the realm of possibilities. Um, but again, like I said, this is the first time that I'm 
questioning their ability to do that. And it's kind of a weird feeling with this show because it's, it's still so good. Like, I don't want any listeners to think that all of a sudden I am, you know, like anti Mandalorian because I still love this show. Um, It's one of the best things to come out for star Wars in a very long time. And that includes me really liking the sequel trilogy a lot. Um, This has been some of the best star Wars that we've been able to get on a consistent basis. So uh, I'm not anti-Mandalorian or anything like that. I just, I do have some concerns leading up to the next episode. You know, one of the other things that we've talked about all season long has been, holy cow, just give these guys the keys to Star Wars. Let them do everything. They've earned our credibility to tell whatever they want to tell, take us wherever they want to take us. And yes, you're absolutely right. I think it would, it almost does seem like we're, we're kind of talking out of both sides of our mouth a little bit that we've said all these great things. And, and listen, I enjoyed the entertainment value from this week. Um, but you're right. This is kind of the point where of this show, we're starting to kind of ask some questions like, holy cow, how are you actually going to be able to do this? Now, do I think they can? Well, absolutely. A- uh, absolutely. Um, unequivocally, I think that John Favreau and Filoni and, and everybody, um, can pull this together and, and give us um, a season finale that we go, wow, um, I'm, I can't wait till Christmas of next year to see how this, how this rolls forward. I think certainly the end of, of last season was, was phenomenal. And, and while it didn't end on a cliffhanger, um, wow, it certainly left you feeling like we're going to have some craziness go on in season two. And we have. Um, who would have thought that we would have seen some of the things that we've seen? Who would have thought that they would have taken us these places? Um, but as the, as it gets more complex, as it does start to try to weave in all of the threads of of all of the Star Wars media that you possibly can. I mean, we've talked throughout, um, you know, in the Easter egg segment of of references to the prequel trilogy, references to things that are going to happen in the sequel trilogy, references to the original trilogy, references to games and comics and and the animated series. You know, it really seems like this show is is trying to pull it all together. And and you go, holy cow, we've only got one more week left. Um, you know, this, this episode's runtime was 36 minutes. Now, mm-hmm. Unless they're going to start doing like Game of Thrones did, where they gave us two hour long episodes, hour and a half long episodes um, at different points to, to tell that the story they want to tell. Um, it makes you wonder, you know, how are we going to get it? You know, because you're going to have to give us Moff Gideon next week doing something. You're going to have to give us Grogu doing something. I can't imagine they're going to keep them out for two full, two full weeks. Um I, you know, I just hope to God, please, please don't let next week just be another fetch quest. Like, right. <laughs> it's not go to this planet, talk to this person. This person says, I'll help you, but only if you go do this, like uh, anything but that, um, which I don't think it will be. Um, but yeah, um, I, I, I believe they'll pull it off. I don't see how, but then again, I don't do that for a living. I do right. something else. So let's see what they give us. I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going to be excited when Friday starts to get closer and closer. And I'm looking forward to watching it once and then sitting down and watching it again and coming on here and, uh, and talking about it with you. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing that I, the one thing that I touched upon there uh, briefly is 
boy, that scene where they tell Moff Gideon, like, oh, you know, again, kind of the typical, you should see this line. Um, but man, if Mando comes up on that hologram projection and just, again, n- you know, no fear in his voice, nothing, just a straight, I'm coming for you. This is what's going to happen. And you almost see, really, to me, I've never seen it in any of the episodes that he's been on. You do see a look, to me, of concern on Moff Gideon's face, like, oof. um, Oh, boy, he's okay. Like, we're going to need to get ready. Like, it doesn't seem like he's just like, whatever, like, come we're gonna you know be able to just go through you with ease he looks like okay uh we're we're gonna have a fight on our hands here because he he wants groku back in really really the worst way um he's not playing around right now you know the empire throughout star wars can certainly be um, accused of hubris you know they they take things for granted they don't regard things as a threat that they should be they always assume that their superior might their their ships their their personnel their technology everything you know they're certainly having the death star and then just going and making a second one um despite the fact that there's not even enough material on planet earth to make one death star i don't know if you've ever seen those or not but they you know they talk about like how many tons of steel and right. just the, size <laughs> of what the death star is and like how many days it would take you to travel from one side to the other. Like they just make two of them, you know, and and they make it fully operational, even though it's like three quarter built at best, you know, like that they always seem much more sure of themselves than, than they should be. And, and you're right. Moff Gideon does seem like he's got a little bit, and he should, if you think about how they managed to escape the cantina, um, and he was kind of defeated there. So then he hops in his TIE fighter. And once again, Mando defeats him. Um, mm-hmm. So he knows that this is somebody who has resources, who certainly seems um, motivated to come get him. Because first of all, let you're 100% correct. It is a total like throw down the gauntlet, just badass, lay it out. I'm coming for you. Um, it's great. And it echoes some of Moff Gideon's own words back at him. Um, from the first season Um, and it's awesome but holy cow is that tactically a dumb thing to do because he has completely lost every element of surprise he might have had it completely removes a stealth entry from from his bag of tricks because the first time you know a janitor who pushes a mop bucket doesn't report in like you're going to be on alert that that there's a, a switch out there or that that there's there's something happening or the first time a stormtrooper can't report in his tk number uh properly like okay there's something going on here we need to look at this a little bit more and and see what's happening um but yeah it's um and that's not even the that's not even the dumbest thing that happened in this episode either um but yeah you're right it's um totally badass and and definitely gets me excited for what we're going to see next week. Yeah. Um, you know, again, with, with a short episode, um, you know, a little bit shorter of an actual review period for this one, but Rob, you know, based on everything that we've said here, uh, we talked about it. I'm, I'm curious to see what is your, what is your rating for this one? Um, you know, we do uh, the rating, uh, how many reels out of five does this episode get? So where are you at with this episode? 
So to me, five is I love it. I would rewatch it any chance I got. Um, it's it's just phenomenal entertainment start to finish. And we've had those uh, multiple of those throughout the season. To me, one is virtually unwatchable. Like it's only good just to, you know, have a couple of drinks to and laugh at or or to kind of almost sort of like what we did with Wolverine Origins. Like we're watching it basically just to to make fun of it because right. of, of how many poor decisions were made. Like that's what a one is to me. Um, this is like a two, two and a half. Um, there's so many. Yeah. Wow. Um, I, oh, I haven't loved, I haven't low too, but that is, that is lower than my score that I'll get into. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to stick at two and a half. There's just too many things that just don't hold up you know some of the other ones that i didn't even get a chance to get into you know we, we talked about the scene with the pirates um it, like to me so they're they're just using sticks um they've got thermal detonators but no blasters like why does that make sense like there's blasters laying around everywhere and these these guys can't seem to find one like that to me was like that was weird um the the base gets blown up at the end and there's this cool moment um where Bill Burr's character Mayfeld, um, you know, takes the takes the rifle and, and blows it up. Like we kind of laughed at it in in earlier episodes this season that there's clearly no imperial version of OSHA, you know, making sure that there's safety ladders and guardrails mm-hmm. and stuff like that up. But man, to think that you could take down an entire installation by having a very volatile chemical that, or material that you know is volatile and you know if it goes over a certain speed, like it, it could blow everything up. Like if somebody drops a forklift wrong, the whole thing is coming down. Like everybody in that installation gone, all of your resources gone, all of that fuel is just gone because somebody tripped funny. Um, like that to me was just kind of, kind of dumb. Um, I, I, I had an issue with that. Um, you know, there's the, the scene where they start in the, in the, in the mess where, um, you know, he, he comes over and starts asking uh, Mando what his TK number is and tries to talk to him. Like it's, it's overly menacing for what he ultimately wants to do is sit down and have a drink with them. Like he's very confrontational and it's right. a great save by Mayfeld. Like it's a great save the way he does it, but it's overly confrontational. Like it sets up a tension that doesn't need to be there. Like it just doesn't make sense in the larger scope of what he was actually trying to do. Um, and once again, like I've been complaining about this all season, there's our, our heroes lives depend on ineptitude from the stormtroopers. There's so many times you're like, just shoot him, just blast him. Like, Oh, point your blaster and get him. Oh my God. If they would just be willing to shoot somebody in the back, our heroes are dead. Like, yeah. There's it, so much bad trooper in. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I'm giving this, it's not much higher, but I'm going with three and a half reels for this. Um, for me, because there's real, some really good character moments that for me still uh, make this episode really enjoyable. But you know, like you just mentioned, where the overdrawn out tension for what eventually that scene turns into, it reminded me of the scene in Aquaman, Rob, where he's at the bar and the guys come up and smack him in the back and are like, aren't you that fish boy? Um, yeah. And they're like, do you mind if we get a picture? It's like, if you just wanted to fan out over him because he's in that universe, he's a real person, like he exists, 
why would you ever walk up to him like that? Like it, it's it's for the gag of the viewer. Um and it's the same thing with that scene like you said it's it's for us that we think there's tension there only for it to be like you would never in real life approach somebody like that if all you wanted to do was say hey let's get a drink like that's just not how it operates when you're trying to you know congratulate somebody on a job well done or something um unless you're an absolutely terrible like boss i guess um which a lot of these imperial guys are so maybe that is how they would talk to each other um yeah but yeah like it's just it's a scene that's set up for the viewer um so it seems ridiculous when you find out what he actually wants to do and also now you know let's face it we know that you know mando is not going anytime soon you know i'm not expecting him in this episode to get shot and he falls from the building but if you're going to create a scene you still can't make him feel invisible because his his adversaries are complete imbeciles and when they're trying to escape the building and they're running on the ledge if you pause this this episode there's so many points there where like you can see the stormtrooper out the window with his gun pointing at him and he's like mm, not yet like <laughs> you know yeah. um like you said it's just like shoot him like what what are you doing like do you not get your like do you not get your imperial pay if he's got a blaster mark in his back or in his side like you have to shoot him straight on like what what is the the goal there for these troopers to actually take an enemy out. Um, so it was a little, you know, off-putting because you're just sitting there going, wow, I don't understand why they're not pulling the trigger in this scene. But in two scenes before they're just, they're shooting at everything. It's, you know, like they have the Jimmy arms and they're just shaking everywhere. Um, just firing blaster bolts at nothing. So, yeah, there's definitely some some problems with this episode. Um, I, I still, you know, obviously this is the lowest rating that we've given any episode by far um, since we've reviewed this show. And I would even say, you know, we did not do reviews for season one, Rob, but to me, this would be for me by far the lowest episode out of anything that I have seen from the Mandalorian from, from my standpoint. Um, I, I struggle to think of anything from season one that I disliked so many aspects of it um, as, as much as what we saw here. And I, you know, having said all of those things, like some of those things that you were just mentioning are absolutely scene breaking for me. Like it completely, it, it, it reminds me that I'm watching a show instead of being able to just kind of get lost in the, in the show or lost in the film. It, it's so obvious and bad that it pulls me out of my enjoyment temporarily of what I'm watching, which is truly a shame because, you know, we've said it several times throughout, but Bill Burr is Migs Mayfeld. The character is so well written and so well performed. And there's so many great moments of him in this, um, that it, I, for me to rewatch this again would basically be just for that 
um, because it was those parts were really really well done. Um, and I kind of like seeing um, the little bit of a. We were kind of hoping last week that this week would be about Mando getting his posse together and and going off to save Grogu, and and we sort of got that. But at the end of it, they just kind of drop Mayfeld off just on that same planet where he's just blown up everything. No guns, no no Imperial credits to work with. Just all right. Well, here. As you were, right? You know, like, <laughs> like he doesn't say, "Hey, could you drop me off in this system, or could you take me to this planet and drop me off there? I'll find my. I've got a. I've got a safe house, or I've got you know friends that'll help me." Like, nah, they just kind of leave him there, and he's like, "Cool, I'm good." Like, that, even that seemed weird to me. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's so obviously this was a a different episode for us, but. Some pretty cool Easter eggs in this episode as well that I'd like to get into. And Rob, if you don't mind, I, I want to start with the one that we kind of brushed on really quickly. But it is, you know, people don't want freedom. They want order. And I don't know if you got this or you know, I can't be the only one who thought this, but I said, well, there's there's the first hint if this show keeps going and obviously it is and if it's going to really keep tying to the bigger universe there's our first hint of the first order and how that name comes to be i i thought that was again i i called it you know pretty much a slap in the face of where they're potentially going from the empire to the first order but i also think it worked very well as a setup to Oh, oh, okay. Um, you can start to see the building blocks of what we see in the Force Awakens and how that name came to to be. Um, I certainly hope that that's that is um, correct. I would I would love for that to kind of be the the case. And it, it you know you you sit there and you watch this this season and you see that particular scene where he's talking about that and you, it makes you wonder like the empire is never portrayed particularly well in terms of, you know, how people regard them. But clearly um, there's some extent of, of the population that wants them in charge. Um, and, and, and you kind of sit there as a viewer and you're always wondering, like, how did that actually work? Like, how did anybody think, Hey, this is a great idea. Like, why were there not more people that were lining up for the rebellion? Um, and, and something that's interesting, if, if you ever get the chance for any listeners out there to research the concept of making the trains run on time, um, it's something that, um, you know, when you look at uh, the rise of fascism in the 30s and 40s in, in Europe and why people would just stand around and let it happen, um, you know, the fascists made things happen for the everyday person. They made the trains right. run on time. They brought order. They brought they brought certain things that they didn't have um, and people turned a blind eye to all of these other terrible things that were going on um, all in the same name. And, and I think to some extent that might be what they're trying to give us here. Um, I, I would, I certainly love the, the little reference and I hope that that is uh, I hope that's a nod to things to come. Yeah. Uh, what was, what's your one? We'll, we'll kind of go back and forth here. What was your Easter egg that you'd like to point out? So they t they spend quite a bit of time in this talking about Operation Cinder, which has been referenced in multiple points uh, throughout Star Wars lore. Um, you kind of got to dig a little bit if you're not a Star Wars super fan. But the essential uh, idea is that if the Emperor dies, then so does the Empire. Um, 
And what they what the plan was is that they would destroy select imperial worlds. This is first seen in the Shattered Empire comics from Marvel, but it's also featured in EA's Battlefront 2 game. Um, so once again, the Mandalorian is the one uh, is the one piece that's kind of weaving it all together. Um, it's also picked up further. There's a, a novel called Aftermath: Empire's End. Um, basically, they have uh, this setup where select imperial officers are needed to live on, and they retreat. And then they firm, out of that, they form the First Order, which then morphs into the Final Order. Um, but Operation Cinder, certainly, it's what um, Mayfeld is referring to with all of the officers and all of the civilians and things like that that were, were functionally murdered um, based on the Emperor's directive um, of what should happen once he dies. Um, that's really what um, kind of goes into, that's the backstory between why he is so upset um, and why he, as I believe, um, was not in control of himself when he pulled the trigger on the blaster. Yeah, um, that actually is something that plays out in Star Wars Battlefront 2. That's actually a game that I own. Very fun game for Star Wars fans that have a you know, PlayStation or whatnot, if you haven't played that game. Um, fairly fairly cheap now because it's been out for quite a long time but that you actually get to take part and see that operation play out in the video game so it was pretty cool to see that referenced um and again just you know how much media this show is going into like nothing is untouchable right now for this show they will pull from any type of media that they feel adds to the overall quality or story for this show. Um, which is cool to see though. I, I like the fact that they are not afraid to really just say, yeah, you know what? We have this entire universe to pull from. We're going to do it and let's, you know, we're going to make it work. And now things are, you know, we talked about this last episode, Rob, things that were made non-canon, when Disney first bought Star Wars, they've now backtracked on and said, okay, yeah, just go ahead. What, whatever you think is pivotal to what you want to do, it's these stories are open to you and these things can be taken as fact in the universe that you're, that you're working through now. Well, certainly there's a lot of people that spend a lot of time reading those and enjoying those pieces of extended fiction. Um, if, if they're going to continue to do that, I would just love to see the Force Unleashed made canon again. Because Lucas, when he still owned the rights to Star Wars, agreed to make that canon. And I mm -hmm. loved it. Um, so if we could get that, or I, really, I just want the third game. They left off on a cliffhanger. I just want the third game. Uh, let me let me get that. Let me have that on the next-gen systems. Um, let's make that canon. Yeah, you almost wonder with some of the announcements that we got regarding star Wars here at Disney's investor call and presentation, uh, this Obi-Wan show is set 10 years after revenge of the Sith. Um, some of the force unleashed could line up with that. And I'm not saying it will, but there's certainly a window where some of these things in the force unleashed could be explored um, based on some of the announcements that we that we got about Star Wars for some of the projects that they're coming out with. 
And speaking of Star Wars projects and the Disney announcement, um, do you want to share with the listeners what else we have coming for them? Yeah, um, you know, that's a actually pretty easy way to transition to it. Um, with all of the announcements that have come out and it was Rob and I were talking about it, it was almost like information like overload. Um, we're actually going to be doing for the first time ever on Matt Goes to the Movies almost like a recap session of everything that has been announced in terms of the Star Wars shows, what has happened with Marvel and some of the things that they're bringing to Disney Plus. And not only that, we're also going to dive um, into Warner Brothers' decision to release their 2021 calendar Um on HBO Max and in theaters at the same time. And we've got some listener feedback. Uh, Rob, what do you call it? You called it Matt Goes to the Movies, the Mailbox Edition? I, I like the name yeah. that you came up with. Yeah, Matt Goes to the Mailbox. Yeah, Matt Goes to the Mailbox. Um, and we, we've got some listener feedback and some things that I got from people who listen to the show about what some of their thoughts are on not only the shows, but that decision from Warner Brothers. We're also going to take a little bit of time because we're fans of, you know, a lot of the media that comes out. Uh, we're going to take some time, too, in this episode that we'll be recording to talk about Zack Snyder's Justice League, which is really an unprecedented move, really, in movie history to the degree that they have allowed Zack Snyder to come back and show his vision for what Justice League was supposed to be. I've never experienced anything like this um, in, in my time of being a fan of movies and researching, you know, director's cuts. Uh, it's really an unprecedented move for Snyder to get this. So a lot of that is going to be discussed on a completely separate episode that will actually be debuting and available to listen to at the same time as this episode here. So that's going to be a completely separate episode that you can download and listen to, um, but they will be posted at the same time. So plenty of content to, to listen to here from uh, these next two episodes. When uh, Disney's announcements were coming out, I'm, I'm pretty sure we spent most of the day just texting each other. Did you hear about this? Holy cow, they're doing this. Oh, my God. I was just getting ready to text you that. Like, there's just – there's it's information overload is probably the best way to do it. So for anybody else that's feeling that way about the just crazy, stupid, huge amount of stuff uh, that Disney has committed to launching, um, we're going to be here for you. We're going to break it down. We're going we're gonna to talk about what's coming. Uh, what what we've heard, what's been announced, um, any casting decisions that have been made, and uh, what to look forward to from all things from the House of Mouse. Yeah, it's uh, I actually kind of laugh because we were you know kind of going back and forth that day, and you know thank God we're in a time frame now where it's unlimited data um, because. <laughs> Thank God this information didn't come out during the time of track phones and having to pay for text message time because whew, uh, I, I might be broke for, for a little bit here with all that information that came out. Um, not only um, texting you, but going back and forth. I was texting Harrison as well. We were going back and forth about some of that stuff, and uh, it, it's a lot to, to take in. So we're really looking forward to bringing you uh our thoughts on that and sharing what some of our listeners were th are thinking about the, the announcements that were made. So uh, Rob, what not other data? Um, oh, go not ahead. Not data, but can you, 
yeah, not only data, but can you imagine trying to exchange this information back and forth with friends on a T9? Oh, trying to hit, trying to hit a button three times just to get one letter, like right. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no way we would have lost our minds. Yeah, right. I'd have been like, I'm just, I, you know what? I'll I'll have to see you in person. Like I can't. I'll try. actually call you. Like nobody right. does that anymore. Like nobody calls anybody. Like why would you do that when you can just text them? Right. Exactly. So, um, Rob, you know there are a couple more Easter eggs. So, um, what else do we want to close off with here for this episode? Um, there's a couple of other ones that I've got here. Um, right early on, we get mention of the ISB, and I don't think they ever, I don't remember catching them actually saying what ISB is an acronym for. It's the Imperial Security Bureau, yep. um, which is an internal security and uh, organization within the empire. Um, certainly, they're looking at uh, weeding out traitors is really what they're, what they're um, designed for. Um, and it's mentioned several times throughout this, but it's also featured in Rebels, it's featured in Rogue One, and we even see it in uh, as far back as A New Hope. Yeah, uh, it you know like it's mentioned throughout the movies, um, but it really took uh, shape a lot in Rebels, where it was kind of not front and center, but it was heavily featured in that show. Um, you know what that organization does in terms of the Star Wars universe, and again with talking about Rebels, um, the Rhydonium Refinery. That again, that appeared in Clone Wars. That appeared in Rebels. Um, so they just again, they just they will go to any lengths um, to bring this media into the fold tiers with shows and comics and video games. We've just talked about. Um, I don't think there's one aspect here that they've really left out minus those star wars christmas specials but i think even that's <laughs> i think that's even the line for them like there's nothing redeeming if anybody's ever watched those um i i feel sorry for you because i almost needed to try and get an eye transplant after watching those <laughs> those features because that is some terrible star wars yeah matt you're not going to wish all the listeners a happy life day oh yeah i mean i I hope you have a great life, but I <laughs> I feel like <laughs> Which, okay. No. So as 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 crap as the holiday special is, I do, however, recommend the Lego Star Wars holiday special. It's available mm -hmm. on Disney Plus right now, um, and just like everything else that they do with the Lego variant, it's just loads of fun. There's a quick Mandalorian bit um, that you'll recognize. Um, it's, it's a good time. It's fun. You'll laugh. Um, I, I enjoyed it. Um, and, and I recommend that one for sure. Um, as far as other, um, not necessarily a, a true Easter egg so much as I just wanted to call out. So our Imperial officer, Valen Hess, um, the actor who plays him, it's Richard Brake. And if you're wondering where you've seen him, um, he was the Night King in Game of Thrones. And he was also Joe Chill in Batman Begins. Um, so he's certainly an accomplished villain um, in, uh, in in the world of, of sci-fi and fantasy and comics. Um, you were you know you were mentioning how many different places that um, Star Wars pulls from in the Mandalorian's references. I've got a real deep cut for you. 
when Mayfeld is covering for Mando, you know, he says he serves at Tanab. I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, this one's a really deep cut. This is this is actually them pulling from a junior novel. This planet is mm-hmm. first mentioned in something called Smuggler's Run, a Han and Chewbacca adventure uh, that was a junior novel. Um, so that's that's how deep they're going to get these Easter eggs. Yeah, it's, you know, again, there's no stone unturned really for that. Uh, we do get, and again, it's not an Easter egg, it's just another, it's it's a callback to previous episodes and seeing kind of using the resources that they have. Uh, we see another crane uh, ATAT in this episode where it was cool to see those in the first one. Um, we actually saw it in chapter 11 where it pulls a razor crest out of the water on the planet Trask. Uh, you see one of these again in the scrapyard. So it is really kind of cool to see how they're just taking some, you know, remnants of the empire that the empire hasn't still used and repurposing them. Um, I always think that's cool to see. And uh, that's one of those things that it always looks cool on screen. Um, even in this form, just to see that, uh, that giant hunk of metal. Well, it makes the world feel lived in, which is one of the things that I've said multiple times. I really love about star Wars is that it doesn't feel like the events we are watching right now are the only major events that have ever occurred in this, you know, the, the universe that this world exists in. Um, and these little things here and there really do make it feel fleshed out. Like it's, you know, there's, there's a background to the primary objects in front of you. Um, I, I really enjoy that. Um, I also like that they pulled in this episode, we saw multiple variations on stormtroopers from all over the star Wars universe. You yeah. They got ones that were used in, in, in a variety of different places, but um, it was kind of cool. I want to say this is probably the most different variations of a stormtrooper uh, that we've seen yet. And, and as I think about it a little bit more, it makes me wonder like, okay, so are they, are they really in a position where their resources are so dwindled that instead of just, you know, okay, we're, we're going to use just regular drone troopers here. Um, you know, we've got our beach troopers, we've got our dark helmet guys, you know, we've got all these different ones. Um, you know, are, are they at a point where they have to pull all of them together? Cause that's all that's left. Right. Yeah, no, it's uh, you're certainly getting a huge variety of the different uh, levels of stormtroopers. Um one last thing too that I have was that's a nice little callback is um, towards the end of the episode, Boba Fett releasing the seismic charges from Slave One, and you saw those in Attack of the Clones. Um, as much as I'm sure a lot of people would like to forget that movie, um, you see those released from Jango Fett when he's trying to kill Obi Wan when Obi Wan is uh, chasing him through an asteroid field. Um, an asteroid field and it was cool because that was actually that was a really nice visual scene and audio wise too the way that um i watch uh the mandalorian with my surround sound on that was a really cool scene just to have all of that uh that background noise uh hitting after those seismic charges went off and basically just shredded those ships it kind of shows you um, both in the way that there was a callback to one of Jango Fett's lines in um, Attack of the Clones that clearly Boba Fett um, doesn't just look at Jango Fett as his clone. Um, he saw him as a father figure, as a mentor figure. Um, I think that's sort of those two actions um, connects that relationship in a very interesting way for me. 
Um, I have one Boba Fett uh, related uh, Easter egg, and then I have one Easter egg that just made me groan. And I think you know which one I'm talking about for that. Um, the cycler <laughs> rifle when uh, when um, Mayfeld grabs it um, from Boba. That's that's a weapon that the Tuscan Raiders use. Um, so it really makes you kind of wonder. So he, you know, in last week he had the gaffy stick that he was using to just smash stormtroopers left and right. And this week we see him with kind of the, the long rifle of the Tuscan Raiders. It makes you wonder how much time Boba spent on Tatooine where he sort of, um, you know, integrated himself into the economy and the, in the life cycle of that planet um, as opposed to just kind of kicking around the universe um, in slave one. And then the one that makes me groan, I think you know which one I'm talking about, when Mayfeld is trying to talk his way out of the situation and they say that they have to go fill out their TPS reports. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was it was funny. Um, of course, it's a reference to Office Space, which if you haven't seen Office Space, it's one of the all-time cult classic movies that um, it's, it's probably one of like, the poster child sort of uh, versions of a film that completely bombed in theaters, but has just developed this crazy cult following on DVD and home video. And, and now everybody knows what it is, but you know, literally nobody can prove they went and saw it in a theater. Um, I, to me, it was, it was scene breaking. It really was. I mean, it's funny. I laughed out loud, but I, I know what they did. And I just, it, it really pulled me out of, of, you know, the immersion I had going for me at that time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And again, uh, nothing against the movie that it's referencing, but everything has a place and that just felt out of place to me. So I, I totally agree with you there. Couldn't have put it better myself. So, you know, uh, once again, everybody, uh, Thank you again for listening to this. Uh, all the show notes will be in the description for this for Mondays with Mando. Uh, also in there, it really helps. Uh, we are on Podchaser, which is a site to leave reviews for podcasts. We'd really appreciate the reviews coming in. Um, let us know what you like about the show, anything that you'd like to see in the future. Um, reviews always help. Uh, our goal is to, you know, provide quality content for the listeners that we have because we greatly appreciate it. But to continue to get feedback, see what you want to see from this show, and uh, just keep moving forward with it. So again, thanks for listening to Mondays with Mando, and we look forward to coming with the season finale episode with the basement binge. That's going to be a lot of fun and also providing the content for all of these Disney announcements that we were talking about in this episode as well. So once again, this has been Matt goes to the movies with Mondays with Mando.